Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we have Logan Patterson here with us today. He's been in the business for just four years, so it's all fresh. I'm going to take a look at what madness made him join real estate and what that journey has been like and what he's learned on the path. Logan, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Brilliant. So what were you doing before you were a realtor? Before I was a realtor, I was working for first a large firm right out of the U of A. Uh, there's this development program that they have there for uh, business graduates. Uh, so I took that uh, and then I got picked by One Properties, which was a large up and coming, well, still is, still is significantly larger than it is now, uh, up and coming um, development firm. Nice. Uh, I worked in their finance division for a year, uh, looking at new acquisitions primarily. So that was uh, like a deep dive into basically deal analysis. Uh, after that, I got connected with some smaller builders in the city, went and worked for an infill guy. Uh, for your viewers who might not be in Alberta, what's going on right now in Calgary and Edmonton is since 2016, they've allowed older lots to be split into two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you can now build two houses where you used to build one, which has been good. It's revitalized a bunch of old neighborhoods. Uh, and it also created a huge opportunity for a bunch of people who couldn't necessarily develop multifamily, couldn't get into agreements with uh, horizontal land developers and, and start building new homes in the outskirts of the city. And they could just kind of build whatever they thought was cool in whatever neighborhood they wanted to and they didn't have to put a million dollar price tag on it yeah so because pricing's through the roof everywhere calgary especially and it's really tough for people that are starting out to be able to get a house right yeah that's the biggest complaint uh and even getting these renovated bungalows you run into mass problems structurally foundational stuff especially uh you know, and all sorts of other stuff, especially because who wants to live in a 900 square foot bungalow, right? If you don't have to. Um, so the infill stuff was really cool. It started around 2016, mm-hmm. almost, I, I shouldn't say doubled, but it, it increased the value of these lots in these unique neighborhoods by about 50%. So it was good. I started a little hide side hustle uh, while I was working for this big developer. I was doing one of those, we will buy your house fast websites. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, I was actually really successful. I had a bunch of little billboards and stuff. And these developers were letting me put their signs on their uh, houses that they bought. Uh, and I was sourcing deals, uh, getting them all signed up and then selling them to, um, uh, to these small builders around 2017. Love so, it. So how much did you sell a deal for? 
the best I ever did was $10,000. That's pretty awesome. Very entrepreneurial. So what made you give that up and step into the real estate business as a realtor? Well, what happened was uh, I started working for a smaller developer and then 2018 rolled around, which was Mm -hmm. not like 2018, 2019 were not good years. Uh, And I was working for this guy. And initially I had my commercial license uh, just because it was a thing to get out of university. Uh, He told me to get my residential and help him sell his houses because he had a bunch of houses sitting around uh, and no one wanted to buy them. So I was doing that for a bit and it wasn't working. Uh, I wasn't selling many, but I was meeting a lot of people. Uh, And they liked talking to me because I knew everything you could know about the prices of these homes from flipping these contracts. Uh, And it was just like, what am I like, what's going on? Why am I taking a paycheck every month? Uh, and, And sitting in someone else's home selling them when I could just do it on my own. Brilliant. So one of the things you kind of mentioned was, you know, that connection with people and also Mm. having a better understanding of the marketplace. So how did that translate into real estate when you first came in? uh, So you had some background. Uh, Which uh, brokerage did you go with? And did you have a mentor there? I chose Logic Realty, uh, which is a small... Tell me because that made sense. Logic sense. But anyway, please go on. (laughs) It did. And you know what? It continued to make sense and still does make even more sense every day. And what it is, is it's just a small brokerage, $300 a deal, and that's it. Uh, oh, no so you get to keep most of the, uh, most of yeah. the uh, profit? You keep, yeah, just about all the profit. Uh, there's zero help, though. No mentorship, no help. Uh, the, the owner broker, Ken, is incredibly knowledgeable uh, and super kind uh, and will help you with uh, questions if you get into some trouble. But... No one's going to teach you how to convert a lead. Uh, no one's going to teach you how to write up a purchase contract. Um, you have to step into the role and you have to be as strong as you can uh, right out the gate or you're not going to survive. Uh, I'd been flipping contracts in university and while I had this job. So to walk in and, and actually use a purchase contract uh, as a realtor um, instead of just... Cake? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was um, easy enough. So go back to the broker. What was his name? The Logic Realty. Yeah, Ken Ken Zillux. So one of the things you said about Ken that kind of jumped out at me was he is kind. So yeah. I was taking this leadership training, and they were saying, you know, everyone's messed up. You're messed up too. So I'm saying I don't feel messed up, but okay, I'll ask my friends. And I went to my friends and said, you know, hey, where's one area I need improvement, and what's one attribute that I have? that you really admire. And one of my mm-hmm. closest friends uh, picked an attribute they admired and it was kindness. Okay. And I never thought of myself as kind. I'm caring and I'm smart. Uh, mm-hmm. I like people and I do a lot of stuff. I never thought of myself as kind. And that really moved me when he said that. So kindness is a special trait, especially in the business world. So tell me where Ken's kind and why that's important to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Ken... Ken's kind because when you call him, you can genuinely feel like you're not wasting his time. He might be quick on the phone when he's busy, mm-hmm. but he's never annoyed. And I know that that's because I'm paying him probably, you know. Not but, much, but yeah, absolutely. Know, it's like a human to human thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think I find that 
you can tell if someone's kind if you're not worried about what you have to say to them. Right. And in so you can case, be open. Yeah, you can be open. You're, you're not worried about taking up their time. You're not worried about what they're going to say about you when you're not on the phone with them or what they're going to think about you. Uh, and what it does is it allows, and I think this, you know, he's one guy, he doesn't have any employees and he's running, I think 70 um, associates. Interesting. But what I think it does is people talk to him. People want to tell him what's going on. And sometimes I'll say something that's a small detail uh-huh. that is a part of a story. And then he'll say, whoa, 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 back up, explain that a little bit more. And I'd say three or four times it stopped me from getting into trouble, especially in my first year. Right. So have you ever wondered, Logan, that uh, why there's almost 8 billion people in the world? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I, I would say I have. Okay. So here's uh, why there's so many people in the world. It's hard to see yourself, but you can see yourself in others. And one of the ways you see yourself in others is if they have an attribute that's attractive to you, that you know with certainty that you have an element of that within you. So you may have more kindness than Ken's jealous, or you could have one molecule of kindness. And the only reason you find it attractive in Ken is because you have it. And there's other agents in the office that probably find other attributes that Ken has more attractive, they notice it because that's in them. So mm-hmm. there's an element and you of kindness within you. Where does your kindness show up? Definitely when you're talking to um, to sellers, I'd say. If I want to pl- if I want to put it into a business perspective, mm-hmm. when you are about to sell someone's house, just yesterday, um, I had a lady call me her therapist. Nice, because you sit down and you're 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 basically. Every time you're about to sell a house, you're gearing up to go on an adventure with that person. Neither of you know what's in store. Uh, and if you don't let them set their own context for, the, for that voyage, then you're going to be in trouble. Hold that thought. Once you get this uh, recording, mm-hmm. elaborate on that. Because I think on your website, why pick me? Mm-hmm. That's the best articulation I've heard. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to go on an adventure. We don't <laughs> well, know what's around the corner, which is, I've heard it in other ways, but I think that's a unique way of articulating it. And I think it'll be one that people would understand and relate to very easily. The, the but, reason I say that is because I sell a lot of old homes. Yeah. If you, when you sell new homes, and I do, I sell a lot of duplexes and a lot of uh, stuff on the outskirts, but I started in old homes. Selling old homes is like opening a treasure chest because, but usually what's inside is awful. Yes. Uh, You know, you, you, every time you have to make sure that that person is prepared to trust you uh, entirely because you're going to tell them something like one of the four walls in your basement is caving in, or you're going to tell them you've had rodents living in your ceiling for 16 years or you've got aluminum wiring throughout your house or you don't have a shred of um, insulation. <laughs> insulation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get it. So, so they need to trust you. Did you ever see that chick flick uh, under the Tuscan sun? No, I don't think so. Diane Lane, uh, use it on date night. It's a woman that ends up going to Tuscany, falls in love with the house, buys the house, mm-hmm. needs a little bit of fixing up. But, you know, when you try and repair one wall, you look, what, see what's behind it. And it's like, oh my God. 
So yeah. it becomes like a money pit. So it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Tell me about how many transactions are you doing a year right now? This year, I'll probably only do 45. Uh, last year, I did just a little over, uh, just a little under 60. Cool. So four years in the business, uh, 60 or 45, still large numbers because most people are still hovering around 20 mm-hmm. uh, at that stage. So where do you see yourself getting to and what does the future look like for you? Like, what do you want to build? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Because uh, that's my favorite thing about this industry is that it's intense freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken says every morning, my broker says every morning you wake up unemployed. The second time I've heard that today, by the way. It's, well, everyone needs to be reminded, especially right now, because, you know, you can hear all these scary things about mm-hmm. interest rates and you can see opportunity or you can see, uh, you know. Oblivion. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm doing is yesterday, I actually just signed uh, a contract for my sixth property, uh, investment property. Uh, right now, I'm funneling all of my money into real estate. Um mm-hmm in the form of um, potential redevelopment sites. So I've got opportunity in the future to do redevelopments. So I was interviewing a gentleman by the name of uh, Conrad. Okay. And he has uh, 12 offices, a thousand agents. Wow. And so I interviewed him for a podcast and we went on a tour the other day and he says, you know, see that office over here on this thing. I purchased Mm -hmm. the entire lot yeah. And then, you know, Lowe's purchased this part of it and these people purchased that part of it. And yeah. then I got my office over here. And on this building, uh, I become the tenant of the entire second floor. We rent mm-hmm. out the first floor so we can get the financing. And then slowly I reduce my footprint and get yeah. more tenants coming in. But uh, very much his strategy was uh, buying land and developing it and uh, creating something significant. So it sounds like you're on the same path. He's further ahead, of course, and you're starting out, but it seems like the same uh, trajectory. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, and this is my understanding of talking to a bunch of guys who have been in the industry for a long time. And I mean, honestly, just thinking um, honest, like like genuinely about my future, that that statement, you wake up every morning unemployed. That's fun when you're, I'm 26. So for me, that's fun. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, when you're 46, uh, it's a different story, perhaps. Exactly. Do I want that when I'm 46? Uh, what I want when I'm 46 is I've got my associate broker's uh, license. So uh, uh, I would love to have a brokerage in my future because I'm obsessed with selling. I think it's so fun. I love talking about sales oh. strategies, uh, lead generation, stuff like that. Uh, but truly what I went to school for and what I started my career in was development. That's, you know, this year I'm only doing 45 deals because I did a, uh, a renovation on a, on a pretty large house with a $230,000 budget. I was able to sell it uh, one day on market. Um, it was awesome. That thrills me. Sales, sales is like a, a nice adrenaline rush, a constant um, development, creating, building something is, has this uh, element of creativity that, um, I want more of in my life. So a friend of mine, he uh, runs a real estate development company, also a RIA, a real mm-hmm. estate investment association. Wow. And he was doing this kind of complex commercial property that he was transforming. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. of the things he ended up doing was he got uh, 10 people from his RIA that wanted to hands-on learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And they each invested $10,000 to go through that program. So he got wow. uh, free labor, 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of cash influx. And it was probably the best education for them because it wasn't like uh, theoretical learning. They were mm-hmm. down there looking at the plans and hiring the contractors and transforming yeah. this piece of property. And I thought it was kind of genius on several levels. Number one, you were teaching people exactly what it's like in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Two, you got an income stream out of it. And three, you got extra manpower to do this development. And so it was a win-win-win for everybody. And I think there's lots of possibilities available if you just choose to be generous and be visionary. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree to some extent. Uh, I mean, there, there is some major risk on his end there. He needs to, uh, I mean, what kind of control did these guys have over the process? I don't know, but uh, Sherman's a pretty shrewd business guy and a great teacher and a great heart. And so I think it was a win-win for everyone. So you get a chance to interact with a lot of real estate agents Mm -hmm. and you are uh, a big fan of the sales process. A lot of realtors are not. Oh, no. Like they'll go through the process. So talk to me about that. Like, what do you think the disconnect is between sales and real estate? Oh, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I think the disconnect between sales and real estate is uh, a, the level of humility that sales takes. Talk more about that because most people think humility and sales, what are you nuts? They're like ego-driven maniacs, but that is not true. So tell us what you're thinking. Well, basically, if you want to be a good salesperson, you have to forget that you're in the room while you're doing the sales pitch, meaning that no one cares what you think. No one cares what you're going to offer them almost. What they care about is how you're going to take care of them. So everyone's expectations are different in that sense. So if you think that sales is having a good good talking points, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get very far. You will, you will get very far with one specific type of client perhaps. But um, if you go into a room and you can't look that person in the eyes, listen to what they're saying, and then immediately adapt to what, to what their needs are in your own sales pitch, then you won't find the success uh, and excitement in it that there really is hidden in there. So I think, I, I think that's it. So do you think a lot of realtors lack that skill set? Well, when I, okay, when I was in university, uh, I ran this organization, uh, this, this student group, and we had, to co- we had to get money so that we could do uh, events and, uh, and stuff and, and basically host parties. Uh, and one of the ways that we did that was by cold calling companies and asking them if they wanted some sort of representation at the U of A. And, like and a sponsorship you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But what we would do is it was just, you hit the phones, you go to a meeting, you talk to them about what you can offer and then you, uh, you know, and then you get the money and then you have something to do with it. So it's basically, I, I think what realtors miss out on is that they don't, uh, the, there's, there's too much of a desi- divide between sales and account management. If you're, if you're managing too many accounts, the sales feels tedious. But if all you're doing is selling, then the account management feels tedious. Uh, and so, you know, you can't, you can't get that balance um, uh, if, you, if you get too comfortable in one role or the other. So do you have an assistant? No. All right. So just uh, from working with a lot of highly successful uh, realtors that are like uh, giants in the field, mm-hmm. one piece of advice they give is hire an admin sooner than you think. Because it lets you focus on what you're best at, client-facing, 
conversations and let a lot of the administration go, if you can trust the right person and train them well. So uh, you're doing everything right now yourself. Do you see yourself uh, staffing up a little bit or not so much? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I would say there is there is definitely things stopping me uh, at this point at four years in. Uh, one of those is a fear that the uh, that I'll run out of leads. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a fear that I'll employ this person for eight months and then have to fire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I ran out of money, just because I feel like I'm using that money improperly. Uh, that makes sense. There are things I don't know about hiring people that make me scared to take that step. Right. I'm completely honest. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense because, you know, hey, it's a, it's a big uh, step forward. Mm-hmm. So in the four years, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Uh, I would say the biggest les- lesson I've learned is to, is to never celebrate, I would say. Mm-hmm. It, it, Tell me more about that. Reflection is fine, but you're only as good as your last deal, I think. Uh, and a lot of people, well, I have felt myself get caught up when I sell a million dollar house or a $1.5 million house. I, I get this feeling uh, like I should be doing more of that, you know, like a, a sense of entitlement. Uh, I think, and so I have to reground myself. Uh, I have to be ready to go from that million dollar house to that $96,000 condo right. uh, and, and be the same person every single time. Um, I, I haven't necessarily had an, an issue with it, but it's just something that I learned. It's like, you're not, you're the person who owns the $1.5 million house and the person with the $96,000 condo are still both humans and they just deserve the exact same level of tension work on your side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you're going to take something on, really take it on. That's what I, I've learned is that you can't just, you know, don't waste someone's time. Be respectful of everyone. And if you don't want that $96,000 condo, then just don't take it. Words to live by. So when I first started out in my career, uh, I was in uh, Berkeley, California. And uh, whenever I won a deal, I'd go to yeah. Mel's Diner and get a chocolate shake. Oh, nice. Regardless the size of the deal, it was just a, yeah. a symbol of did a good job, enjoy the shake, then get back at it. So make sure whatever way you do celebrate the 96, yeah. the 1.5 mil, do some kind of celebration only yeah. because... Yeah, Go ahead. I, I, I do. Um, when I shop, like I'll do a little shopping on Amazon, but I'll, nice. I'll look at what I have and I'll uh, in my uh, uh, in my thing. Like I play squash, I play uh, golf, so you know I'm always looking at stuff. To buy. Squash is my addiction. Oh, I love I love squash. It's so much fun. And I'm not great at it. I can lose or win, but it's just so addictive. It's like they need a squash anonymous. Hi, my name is Umar. I'm a squash addict. I saw this t-shirt <laughs> once. It was had three symbols, uh, yeah. eat, sleep, squash. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. It's it's a lot of fun, uh, especially after a long day. You can just get in the squash court with someone who's equal uh, skill level and you can have fun for hours. Or even better. It's uh, it's kind of cool. I played with this I played with this guy yesterday and he was like, 10 times better than me, but he just toned down his game. Oh, yeah. And really? uh, allowed me to kind of increase my skill level. And uh, his skill level became like he's going to hit it in difficult places and I need to hit it so Umar can hit it back. So yeah. that added a level of skill for him rather than go for the winning shot. It's like, oh, I got to give this baby man an easy yeah. shot. So <laughs> well, I, that, that's good. I feel like that's the same with real estate. The, the more time you spend around people who are better than you, 
the more you'll see their tricks. And, uh, yeah. and, and really truthfully, I think a lot of people, I think it's really uh, hard, especially around my age category. Uh, you hear people talk about where they want to be in five years. Uh, and it's so hard to conceptualize the skill gap between 50 deals and 150 that yeah. unless you see someone actually doing it, you it's it's easy to say, oh, in three years, I'm going to do 150 deals. So I'm going to so, send you a link to one of the podcast episodes. Uh, I met this beast uh, a little while ago. Okay. Single realtor, got some admin mm-hmm. staff. Yeah. Think of a large number of transactions a year. Have a guess. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a couple admin staff uh, and he's a beast. Uh, I bet he does 400 on his own. Very, very close. Oh yeah. 500, really? 500 transactions a year. Wow. wow. I'm not sure when he breathes or sleeps, but... Uh, but he's got a family. I love stuff like that. Uh, the operations is something that I really want to get into in my, in, I think in my thirties, you know, cause like that's what that is, is like, yeah, he must be, he must be a beast, but he must also be an operations genius. Yeah. Lots of processes in place that make his life easier. And uh, before our podcast, we were on live and there was another two minutes before we were going live and he was making his last phone call. Yeah, really, just to get eh? that time in. So before we part company, Logan, uh, what's one mind hack you'd like to share with uh, the viewers and listeners that would help them become better, stronger, faster? Um, I would say do stuff outside of your field uh, that still m- mentally stimulates you. Uh, I like to read a lot uh, and I like to challenge myself to hang out with new people that I might, that I'm, I'm acquaintances with, but are not mm-hmm. friends. A uh, good right. way to do this through sports, uh, you know, invite, I invite people to golf, um, stuff like that. But the most important thing is to just basically stay. If you're going to be stagnant in other, uh, fields of life, what's stopping you from being stagnant in your own business? So Brilliant. Uh, I, I think I think it's across the uh, the the field. You've got to be you've got to be diversified in, in every aspect of your life, or you're not going to feel renewed or refreshed or interested in your work, even if you supposedly like it. Logan, thanks so much for being on the program. Really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, we're going to keep in touch. We're going to keep an eye on what you're doing out there. Yeah, for sure. Please send me those links. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 